Lord. Hallelujah. Turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 40. I want to read that passage again that we began in this morning. I feel like it's the appropriate launching off place for what the Lord wants to do for the remainder of our time this evening. I was in our pre-service meeting and I remarked to the praise team that we might sing that and the overwhelming majority had no idea what that song was and so I told them, well, it's just part of my teaching ministry tonight. Uh, to make sure that we become educated in some of the good songs. And I love that song, and if that's a new one for you, just put it into your heart. And uh, that's one of those ones you can just walk around the house singing, right, Brother Anderson? You can just walk around the yard singing that, and uh, it'll just get down into your spirit, and it's good for you. It's good for your soul, amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27 why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The eagle is the only bird that renews itself. Eagles do this thing that, that when they start looking a little ragged, they can, they can shake off their old feathers and they can pull some of those old feathers out and they can start all over again. And uh, they can do something that the rest of the animals can't really do. They can't reset their age, but they can reset their action and their activity. And uh, they can restore themselves. And then, the, as the scripture says, they can mount up with wings like eagles. And uh, they can start to do something that's just majestic and extraordinary. It's what they're designed to do. And uh, for a little while this evening, I want to minister from the word of the Lord about uh, mastering life. Mastering life. Uh, you can be seated. I, I was seeking the Lord this week at youth camp. By the way, um, I just want, just as a point of record... Uh, I counted just a moment ago before I came to the pulpit, and by my reckoning, this is my 18th church service in 15 days. Who? And so, uh, that's, I'm only saying that to say one of the hardest things for a preacher to do is to be in that many church services in that span of time and not try to preach everything that he's just heard. And I'm going to do my best to not do that because we heard some tremendous words from our camp speakers, and uh, this is the 18th service in 15 days, and, and I just feel full in the Holy Ghost and blessed to be here in number 18 with you all. And uh, I, was, I was seeking the Lord during youth camp because I knew that uh, even though it is youth camp week, as they say, Sunday's coming. Right, Brother Beecher? Sunday's coming. 
and uh, I, I was feeling something from the Lord. I was seeking after the Lord, and I, fe- I, I knew that I had a word uh, that, that the Lord is, is going to want to start speaking to us during this season. I felt like it wasn't a word that was going to be spoken in just one service, but it was going to happen over the course of several, if not many, services, and I knew it wasn't going to be, God forbid, I wasn't going to preach eight messages in one night. Um, and I was just seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, where, where would you have me to start? I, I see this topic and this, this thing that you're wanting me to address in the spirit in, in our preaching and teaching ministry at the church, but where would you have me to start? I, I, I don't want to just parachute out into the middle of this and, and, and leave everybody and just lose everybody and, and, and not be uh, able to be made sense of, and I, I, need some, I need a place to launch out from, God. And as I came back home and I sat in service this morning under the ministry of Brother Walker, and then uh, there was references made to what Bishop preached and ministered on Wednesday night. It became clear to me that uh, what I was looking for, the Lord was already working out, and uh, the Lord was giving me a thread to pull on, so to speak, and that's why I've returned to Isaiah chapter 40, and uh, before I go any further, I want to go to the New Testament, and I want to, to take a step further into 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 is, uh, is the passage that I want to really address tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 in the New King James Version says this, For this reason I also suffer these things. Everyone say, that's life. He says, I, for this reason I suffer these things. And that's some of what Brother Walker ministered about this morning. There's things that come at us in life that we don't necessarily have the answer for. And uh, the Apostle Paul certainly was not exempted from this. And he says, for this reason, I, I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. He writes to young Timothy, and he says in verse 13, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The good thing that was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. I want to minister, like I said a moment ago, about mastering life. And I want to submit to you tonight that the key to mastering life is the master. I'm talking about Jesus. The key to overcoming in life, the key to being successful in life, and the key to mastering life and not being mastered by life is Jesus Christ. There are certain statements in this passage in 2 Timothy that Paul says the word I. He says, I suffer. I know. I am not ashamed. I I believe. I am persuaded. I want to take us, and if you're a note taker, I want to, to walk us through those statements that Paul makes in verse 12 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. There's so much condensed into this verse We could spend many, many days just unpacking every single piece of it. And I want to just start to unfold it a little bit here on this Sunday night. The first thing he says, and I've already drawn our attention to this, is he says, I suffer. I suffer. And that's life. There's things in life, in this broken world that we live in, that come our way unexpectedly. There's uh, Brother Walker ministered this morning and brought out the importance of, of just how one phone call, one text message, One conversation can change everything in a person's life. And sometimes when those phone calls come and those moments arrive, you might use that word suffering to describe it. You're going through something. There's something that's 
there's a trial, there's a storm, there's a challenge, an obstacle before you that you're having to weather the storm and navigate an obstacle. Sometimes it isn't always negative. Sometimes it's just something new. Amen? That's something we need, we need, we need to find peace in that too, is that life is not only comprised of only negative things that we need to go to the Lord for, but there are times when we have new things And in those seasons of new things, we also need to look to the Lord. Sometimes whenever we feel overwhelmed by negative things, it can be easy to say, yes, I need an act of God in my life. I need the hand of God to operate. I need direction from the Lord. And sometimes it can be easy in those negative moments where life throws something negative at us to reach that place where we are welcome and welcoming the help of the Lord and the wisdom of God. But sometimes whenever we come into a new season, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's a new thing of life. Sometimes we can almost forget about God for a while, and we can just try to navigate it on our own in our own wisdom. And if we do that long enough, a lot of times one of those, neg- one of those new things will transform into a negative, something we need help with. And then and only then do we start looking to God. And what, what a terrible pattern to be in, Amen. What a terrible pattern to be in. Wouldn't it be wiser to say, Lord, I need you all the time. Life doesn't just come in the negative moments. Life doesn't just come in the challenging moments. But sometimes it comes in the form of the positive. Sometimes it's the form of the new thing that God is doing in my life. A new season in my life. A new circumstance that I'm facing. A new opportunity that I have. In those moments, we also need to look to God and say, Lord, I submit it to you. I may not be in the middle of a catastrophe. I may not, there may not be calamity knocking at my door. But Lord, I need you even in the good season the song says he gives and he takes away blessed be the name of the Lord and if we would be mature believers we would recognize that sometimes it can be tempting to steer away from God when things are going well thinking I've got it under control I can manage this And then when things start to spiral out of control, we say, God, I can't manage this anymore. Please fix it. Fix it, God. And then we want to hand everything over to him. I would submit to you today that if you're looking for a rock to build your life on, it is the rock of knowing Jesus Christ and letting him be the master of your life. Understand what I mean. I'm not talking about simply the master of your life in the bad times, in the low times, in the challenging times, in the times when you don't have any answers. I'm talking today about a people of God who will say, I'm going to give him charge over my entire life in the good times, in the blessed times, in the times where there's freshness and opportunity. I'm going to still let my life be led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. He said, I suffer. He wrote to the Romans and he wrote to them and said, I glory in tribulations. When Paul wrote 2 Timothy, he was literally a prisoner of the Roman government. A prisoner. Not in a metaphorical sense or a figurative sense. Literally a prisoner. He was imprisoned. He was in chains. He was in the custody of the Roman government. And he wrote to Timothy and he says, you know what? I'm suffering some things and that's life. But then he wrote this next statement, I'm suffering some things and I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be ashamed. You know what that tells me? 
it tells me that the Apostle Paul was not going to let his circumstances dictate his identity. Have you ever met somebody who's like a chameleon? And they're like the last person they were in the room with? It's like, I can't figure out who they are. I can't figure out who this person is because they seem to take on the identity or the personality of whoever they spent time with yesterday. We all know people like that. Hopefully there's none here. If that's you, stop it. It's not good. Okay? It's not good. It's unattractive. We all see it. Uh, you're, not, you're not fooling us. Just be you. Be sanctified you, but be you. Sometimes we can, we can take that same approach in the things of, we're talking about life today. Sometimes we can get in the middle of a trial. We can get in the middle of a situation. We can start having some suffering go on in our life. And in that moment, we can let our identity start to be shaped by whatever we're going through. We start to let the storms of life put labels on us. Just real talk. Paul is writing from a prison cell. He says, Timothy, I'm suffering some things. There's some things that aren't going my way. Life is happening. But in the middle of all of that, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not ashamed of what I've sold out to. I'm not ashamed of my master. I'm not ashamed of his gospel. I'm not ashamed to be a part of his kingdom. I'm not ashamed to be holy. I'm not ashamed to be separated. I'm not ashamed to be called. I am not ashamed, no matter what life throws my way, no matter what level of suffering I have to go through. Even, let me spin it a different way, no matter how successful I become, no matter how sophisticated I get, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not going to use Jesus as a ticket to the good life and then abandon him. I am not ashamed. In the good times and in the bad times. In the high times and in the low times. I'm going to stick with Jesus. I belong to him. And he belongs to me. There was a message that one of our camp evangelists preached. I'm trying to think it all runs together. It was the first week of camp. He preached a message. It was powerful. It was the junior high camp. But this is a message for anybody. His title was, and his, his topic was very easy to grasp. It was, I will never leave the church. I will never leave the church. We need to make up our mind. Brothers and sisters, it's time to settle some things. If you're not already settled in that statement... You need to become settled in the fact, I will never leave the church. I'm not going to allow circumstances to dictate my level of faith. I'm not going to allow the trials that I go through to determine whether I'm faithful to the house of God and faithful in my fellowship with the people of God. I'm not going to allow the challenges of life to change my doctrine. I'm not going to allow... The things that come at me and challenge me 
to cause me to become convenient in my beliefs. I'm going to stay convicted in my beliefs. I will not change who I am as long as who I am is rooted in the word of God. I will never leave the church. I will never become ashamed of who I am in God. I will never back down on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that has left a pattern on my life of a born-again person. I'm not what I used to be, and I'm not ashamed of who I am today. In the face of life, you may think it's time to back down. But now is not the time to leave the church. I read in Exodus chapter 33 that young Joshua was following after his mentor, pastor, trainer, Moses. Moses went into the tabernacle to the presence of God. Moses did what he needed to do and conducted some business with God and then he had to leave and go back to the assembly of the people and conduct some business with them. But the scriptures say that Joshua did not depart. Joshua lingered. He lingered in the presence of God. He lingered in the house of God. He says, you know, while everyone else is doing their thing, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay in the presence of God. I'm not going to leave God. Even though there's, it was a season of trial and chaos in Israel, you can read about it in Exodus, there's things going on, there's challenges. Joshua said, it really doesn't matter what's going on outside. I've settled. I'm not leaving this. I'm not ashamed of this. God's called me to this. Brothers and sisters, I'm saying you, you need to settle some things. You need to settle some things. I'm, I, I'm preaching in the present tense right now, but I'm preaching for your future as well. There's life out there. Brother Walker brought us into the present tense this morning, and there was present tense things, and there's still present tense things here tonight. Let me shift and go into the future tense for just a moment and tell you that we don't know what tomorrow holds. There's, I'm not, this isn't a scare tactic, but there's life out there. There's life out there. For someone, there's a phone call coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. There's a phone call coming. There's a trial coming. There's something that's going to test your faith. You need to have the wherewithal right now in a moment like this to say, I will never leave the church. I will never leave my faith. I will never be ashamed of who I am and what God has called me to be. Paul wrote on, he wrote on to young Timothy, and he said that he'd already said, I suffer and I'm not ashamed. But then he went on, and this is the heart of what I believe is my message for tonight. He said these two words. He said, I know. I know. I know. If you will master life, it's going to be because you know some things. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm not talking about being a brainiac. I'm talking about having some things that you're convicted of, things you know are true, things that are bedrock to you, that are immovable. That's why many times when you see me up here and you interact with me in personal conversations, I'm, I'm very often advocating 
that you need to be in the Word of God. There are bedrock things in the Word of God that you need to know. Again, I, I, I want to say, I want to qualify that without lowering the bar. I'm not talking about having an IQ of 300 and being a brainiac and, and knowing every answer to every question on every Bible trivia card known to man. I'm saying we need to be acquainted with the things of God. You need to be acquainted with the ways of God, the word of God. You need to know some things about God and about what God says about you. I'm talking tonight about settling some things. I'm talking about there's topics that I know that aren't going to be moved by feelings or circumstances of life. There's things about you that need to be completely settled. I've been born again. God's spirit is living in me. The name of Jesus has been applied to my life. I'm called to be holy and separated from the world. I'm a person of the word, and God's word has the final say. And my Lord Jesus is coming back for the church, and I'm going to make it. Someone needs to settle that. I'm going to make it. Some of you live in, in, in this, this situation where you're not really sure. And you can live in a, in a spirit of fear over it. You, need, you can settle. You, did you know that? You can settle that I'm going to make it. You don't have to leave it up to chance today. You can settle it before you leave the building tonight and say, I'm going to reach the place in God where I have the assurance that I am going to make heaven. I'm not going to leave it up to chance. I'm not going to leave it up to whether or not the rapture happens on one of my bad hair days. I'm going to make it. It doesn't matter what trial I'm in the middle of whenever the rapture happens. I'm going to make it. It doesn't matter what life is throwing at me on that particular day, on that great getting up morning. When that day comes, I'm going to make it. And I've settled it in my spirit. Come what may. I'm going to make heaven. My family's going to make heaven. These are things that I know. I'm talking about knowing some things. You'd better know some things. When the whole world around us is swirling and chaotic, when your world is turned inside out and upside down, I'm not talking about the world at large. I'm talking about your world. Talking about when one of your children does something that you don't approve of. When someone in your life does something that's very hurtful. Talking about when a business deal or a career doesn't go your way. And things start to fall out from under you. And rugs start to feel like they're being pulled out from underneath of you. When your world gets turned inside out and upside down, you'd better know some things. Let me say it like this. We live in a world today that is driven by feelings. Now, I want to qualify that, what I'm fixing to say, and let you know, I believe that feelings are okay. I believe that emotions are God-given. We don't need to turn into robots. It's not the will of God. But in the very next breath, we cannot be driven by our feelings. Our feelings do not have the final say. This 
culture we live in where everything is driven and governed by feelings is very dangerous. And if you allow it to creep into your life, it will be lethal to your faith and to your walk with God. We have an entire society in the western part of the world right now, the world that we live in, that is dominated by feelings. People are driven by their feelings. People are being deceived into false religion because of feelings. Can I just, can I be plain? People are having surgeries to change who they biologically are because of feelings. People are taking puberty blockers because they feel like they're in the wrong body. I'm not trying to be rude, I'm just trying to be real. There's people that are changing their look, their skin, their hair, all kinds of things because they feel like they're trapped in a body that isn't really them. Can I bring it a little closer to home? Maybe that seems like it's outside of the borders of the church, but can I bring it inside of the borders for a minute? People are addicted to social media because of the endorphins and the dopamine chemicals that feeds their mind and makes them feel good. I just need to scroll a little more. I just need to post a few more things and get the likes and the views because when I see the likes and the views come in and the attention come in, it fires off the chemicals in my brain. It makes me feel good. And you start to feel good. And it starts to drive your behavior. And you start to be dominated, whether knowingly or not, you start to be dominated by something that is on that little, call it a little glowing rectangle of death, little glowing rectangle thing that we scroll and, and people get locked into their self-worth. I, listen, I just came from youth camp. <laughs> and we don't let them have cell phones for a couple weeks. And it is the will of God, let me tell you. But I'll say it because I'm at home and I'm not there anymore. And I, I'm not saying it for shock value. I'm saying because it's what I see. We get about three days into that environment. And you're not going to believe me, I don't think, when I tell you. But Sister Courtney, there are things that start to happen that look a lot like detox that look a lot like withdrawal, okay? Uh, maybe detox is too, too uh, safe of a word. It looks like withdrawal. And these campers start doing goofy things, okay? And some of them are just plain silly and comical, and then other, other times it's tragic. And I can't share with you some of the stories, but it's tragic some of the ways that this starts to manifest itself. And before we think that it's confined to just this little glowing rectangle and it's not a big deal, I can tell you from experience, recent experience even, it is a big deal. And if you allow your feelings, if you allow those things to get their hooks into your emotions, they will drag you around and dictate your entire life. Now, I know there's a generation in the room right now that maybe this isn't, Maybe this is not the struggle, but there is a generation in this room that knows exactly what I am talking about. And there's a generation of parents that have children that are coming up, and you're trying to decide whether to put electronics in their hands, and you need to know what I'm talking about. 
I'm sorry, I'm on one right now, but I'm going to stay on it because there's people that need to hear it, okay? We're into this. We're not just two years into this smartphone thing, okay? We're like 15 years in, 16 years in. There was a time early on when these problems started to man- I'm talking. I'm still talking about life right now. I'm talking about how we get drug around by our feelings, okay? And we let something die. The Apostle Paul said, I will not be dominated by anything. He says, all things are expedient for me, but I will not be brought under the domination of anything. Talking about life, and I'm talking about there's, there's early on in this, in this te- technological revolution where this kind of technology became available, we had inklings of an idea. We're like, you know what? Gosh, it seems like anxiety's going up. Seems like depression's on the rise. Seems like there's a lot of suicide among young people. I wonder what the uptick could be from. I wonder what could have changed. And then we started to start, we started to wonder, could it be the smartphones? Could it be the social media? Could it be all the different dynamics that present themselves out of that? But, you know, we still had such a small data set and such a small sample size that we really couldn't say definitively, Pastor Beecher, that that's what it was. We're 16 years in now, and I I don't go around reading medical journals, but I do try to read up on it some because there are studies now where definitively, these are secular, these are not Christian studies. These are secular people. They're doing secular studies based on the data. But there is a clear line between social media addiction and anxiety. And parents that are wondering about whether or not or when to put one of these devices in the hands of a young person, you need to acquaint yourself with the facts. I know there's a tremendous amount of pressure for parents to give young people those kinds of devices. I know. I am a parent. And my children are coming up and and I'm going to blink and I'm going to be there. I'm talking about life right now. I'm talking about there is a world that is driven by our, their feelings and their emotions, and it is leading them down the broad path that leads to destruction. Sometimes we get feelings about, is there anything we have stronger feelings about than money? Sometimes our finances and our materialism, our possessions, we can spend more and more and more money. A lot of times even money you don't have because of feelings. Feelings like I'm falling behind on the trends. I don't have the latest Gidget or Wismo thing that in my pocket or in my house. Piece of technology I'd like to have. Everyone else seems to be walking around with it. I don't have... The, the technology, the newest thing. All my, all, everyone else in my life, all my friends group, they've all got this one thing. They've got, I mean, I don't know, they've got a certain type of car or a certain type of, of hobby or a certain type of thing that they've spent money on. And, and I feel empty inside. I need to go spend my money. And, and, and you notice the word that just came out of my, I feel. It just, it just came out of me naturally because that's where we're, I feel empty inside. I feel like I need it. I feel like I need it now and so I'll use credit. I feel like I deserve this. 
I feel. I feel. I feel. How many of our problems in life come from misplaced feelings? How many of our problems and trials would suddenly take a turn in the right direction if we said, I know what I feel, but what do I know? What do I know? What if I went back to the book and I became closely acquainted with some of the things that I know, some of the things that God says about me? What does God say about my self-worth? What does God say about my calling and my value? What does God say I should be doing with my life in the season that I'm in? Hear me this evening. Feelings and emotions are not evil. But brothers and sisters, we cannot be dominated by feelings. We don't live by how we feel in any given moment. I'm advocating tonight that if your life is out of control, if the weight of life is overwhelming you, it's time for you to lay hold on what you know. Like an eagle, Isaiah wrote about that eagle, like an eagle, there's some in this room tonight that what you need to do is you need to start shaking off some of those old feathers that have accumulated and gotten matted up, that have been holding you back. You need to pull some of those out and start letting some new things grow because you can fly again. You can fly again. It's not over. You're sitting in this room right now. You're breathing oxygen. It's not over. It's not over. I know life may feel big and life may feel overwhelming right now. And I know maybe just in the last few minutes while I've been meddling, maybe there's some things that the Lord has started to convict you about. Don't be crushed under the weight of condemnation of the word of God. God's word is to give you life right now. He's pointing things out to you and saying, listen, there's some things you need to shake off of your life. There's some things that you need to pluck away and pull off of your life because I've still got another chapter for you. Life is not over. Life's not over. You don't have to be mastered by life. You can master life if you know him. If you will become acquainted and you will follow the one that the Apostle Paul was writing about. He says, I know the one in whom I have believed. I'm not talking about head knowledge right now. I'm not talking about a set of facts that we need to learn. I'm talking about what the Apostle Paul wrote about. He says, I don't just know a lot of facts. I know him. I know him. I know him in whom I have believed. And I've committed some things to him. Those last two that I just mentioned. He says, I believe and I committed. Those two things hang on that I know. Without knowing some things, listen, hear me right now. Without knowing some things, your belief is just flimsy. Without knowing him, your commitment is misplaced. You have to know him. You have to know him. You've heard me say it many times over the past year. It's something God has put in my spirit, I believe, for this hour. You can hear from God for yourself. That was about 5%. You need to hear from God for yourself. If you're not hearing from God for yourself, I'm not talking about not necessarily an audible voice, but if you're not, if you don't have a living and active relationship with God, if you're not hearing from God, 
That's a problem. That's a problem. God needs, you need to be in the word of God to where he's speaking to you through his word. You need to be in your personal prayer time and you need to be acquainted with the voice of God for yourself. The time that we spend together in this room, while amazing, is not sufficient to carry the load of your life. I'm going to say it again. I love what we do in this sanctuary. I love what we do in these Sunday school classrooms. It's beautiful. There's breakthroughs that happen. There's ministry that takes place. There's nothing like it when the bride of Christ comes together. And I believe that we can go places in the spirit together that you can't necessarily go on your own. We need fellowship like this. But what we do in the room on Sundays and Wednesdays It is not sufficient to bear the weight of life. If you're going to be successful living for God in this hour, you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You must know Him. I can't say it any more clearly than that. I stood, I keep referencing youth camp. It's service number 18, okay? I'm sorry can't help it I was in youth camp service one of the speakers was in I believe it was this past week it was senior high 16 17 18 year olds mostly the speaker asked I I don't remember what the context was but I remember him asking this question he asked this question he says how many in the room are disciples of Jesus Christ And in a room of about 200 campers and about 100 workers, we had like 20 people raise their hand. (laughs) Needless to say, to me, that was alarming. Now, I know that part of it stems from vocabulary. Maybe they're not hearing that word used, and they're not understanding what a disciple is, and they're thinking, well, are they asking, am I one of the 12 disciples? Because I'm not one of the 12 disciples. That's not me. Don't they know that all those guys are passed on? And so I'm, I'm going to give, allow some latitude, Brother Sean, for that kind of misunderstanding. But in a room of that many people, there ought to be many, many individuals that understand exactly what he was asking. We ought to understand it too. I've got, I have to know him. To know him is to be a disciple of his. It's not sufficient for me to simply answer the call. But he calls on us to follow him. To follow him. Not just to be a believer. We're more in tune with that word. And certainly you need to be a believer. But to be a disciple. Come on, it's Sunday night. It's it's us right now. Disciple. Disciple isn't just a a word that describes who you are. Disciple is a word that describes what you do. What you do. There's an action to it. There's an action that's just assumed when you say that word. A disciple is someone that follows. A disciple is somebody that is actively pursuing. That is actively learning and getting to know the one whom they are following. 
That's at the heart of what the Lord has given me to preach tonight. We must know him. You must know him. If you're overwhelmed with life, I want to point you toward Jesus and tell you it's time for you to know him. If you've strayed away from him and you don't know him like you used to, I want to invite you back in and tell you you can know him. You can hear from God for yourself. That doesn't mean you break off and do your own thing and become your own priest and prophet and I, no one can tell me what to do, but it simply means I have a personal relationship with God. I can hear from him in prayer. He can impress things on me. I can be led by the Spirit. I can hear things for my family and for my loved ones. I can be active in the gifts of the Spirit and God can use me as a vessel to do something not just in me, but through me. That's what it is to know him, to know him. Can I go deep for just a, just a moment before we, before, we, before we respond in prayer? There's a phrase in this, in this verse, verse 12. If you've got your Bible open, you can look at it. And, and there's just a phrase that I can't, I can't get away from. And I can't skip it and I can't not say something about it tonight. It's the very first few words that Paul writes in verse 12. He says, for this reason, for this reason. That whole scripture is very powerful. But Paul's writing with a reason in mind. Wouldn't you like to know what it is? Maybe I'm the only one. The reason. Before I read from earlier in that, in that text, let me ask you a question. What's your reason? What's your why? We've been talking about life today. What keeps you going? I told you I was going to go deep for a second. This, I know where I'm at right now. What is it that keeps you going? What is it that is your why, your reason? Let me read to you what Paul's was. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. He says, share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed, here's his why, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. I think it was very healthy of the Apostle Paul to have a clearly defined reason. I think it would be a very healthy practice if I were to give homework this week for you to take time starting tonight and throughout the rest of the week to really prayerfully identify what's my why? What's my reason? Because listen, the very first thing that Paul says after he identifies the why and he says for this reason, he immediately acknowledges that there's suffering. And I believe that it's his reason, his why, that anchored him down whenever the storms of life got strong, whenever things started to get a little bit out of control, when there were some things in life suddenly that I didn't have answers for. Let me go to the positive side. I've, I just spent some time in the negative. Let me go over here. 
when I'm in a new season, when I'm a new parent, when my children are in a new stage of life, my children are moving out. Maybe I've got a job opportunity. I've got a decision to make. I've got a, a career that I'm thinking about pursuing. I've got all these different factors and variables going on in my life. What's your reason? What's your why? What's going to be that thing that keeps you anchored when, when sufferings come, when confusion comes, when life just isn't clear, when, when the puzzle of your life is flipped upside down? And not only do you not know how the pieces all fit together, but Brother Larmy, you don't even know what the picture is supposed to look like. In those moments, if you want to keep from throwing in the towel, Brother Walker, and saying, I'm done, God's not fair, God's not even real, I'm walking away, I'm done, you need to know. You need to know your why. You need to know who you are. I want to encourage you, stand with me if you would, the musicians come. I'm talking about mastering life tonight. I'm talking about mastering life. I'm going to make a call for prayer here in a moment. It might be a little different. I know that this has been a different message. But there's something God is doing in the life of his saints right now. He's doing it in your life. And it's whether you recognize it or not, it's preparing you for the future. I said I was in the future tense. And while the Lord very much wants to and can and will address some things tonight that are in the present tense, he's also looking where we can't see. And he's looking out into the future. And he's saying, young man, young lady, mom, dad, there's a storm coming. There's a challenge coming. There's life coming. What's your why? I'm talking about moms and dads I'm talking about grandpa I'm not just talking the apostle Paul said I'm an apostle I'm an apostle to the Gita. maybe you're not a great apostle I'm talking about moms and dads grandmas and grandpas husbands wives Bible study teachers people that are fervent in prayer that are deep in the word that have ministries that God wants to call up out of you that are going to become your reason for staying the course when life comes your way. If you can do what I've just said, you will unlock a supernatural door to powerful things that God wants to do in you and through you, no matter what life throws your way. I'm talking about mastering life. Let's lift up our hands in this place right now. Would you just be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? If you feel like you need to step out from where you are, this altar's open. I know it's been a little different tonight, and I know I've gone some places that maybe have, maybe have looked out into the future, and maybe they've even looked in the present tense, but it doesn't really matter what part of it addressed where you are today. I want you to step out from where you are. Can we, can we start to move out of where we are right now and gather up around the front of this building? I've been talking about mastering life. Mastering life. There's someone right now, you're in a new season. You've got new challenges and new obstacles that you, that are brand new to you. It's life. 
God's, there's an upward call of God in Christ Jesus in this place right now. There's a call of the Spirit upward right now in this place that's asking you break away from worldliness, break away from whatever you've attached yourself to. Come on, why don't we find a place to kneel in prayer right now? Find a place to kneel in prayer.